0: crime, cases, and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Captain Ed Mimette and Detective Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cop Talk. This is the co-host of the show because, again, our host, Kevin Schroeder, first-grade retired detective, is out on a mission. Lately, he's been on a lot of these missions. However, he's on the show remotely, so he will partake. Um... And, of course, you know who I am. I'm retired Captain Edward Mamet, 40-year veteran of the New York City Police Department. Before we start, I would like to dedicate this program to the 20 or so Israeli police officers that were murdered in the police station in Israel. It was a very, very tragic thing. And also, we want to honor those other Israeli citizens and soldiers who were murdered by these brutal animals, Hamas. Hopefully, they will get their just due and go to hell, not to heaven, to paradise. Um, okay, now we turn over to um, our host, Kevin Schroeder. Go ahead, Kevin. Hello, everyone. Uh, Kevin Schroeder here,
1: retired NYPD detective. Uh, we have a really good guest today, uh, Mike Sapricone. He's a retired first-grade detective. He came on the job 1980 and retired in 2020. Uh, he's a Republican running against George Santos in the New York 3rd Congressional District. Mike, welcome.
2: Kevin, thanks for having me. Great to sit here with Ed, too. And I didn't do 40 years like Ed did. I retired in 2000, though, Kevin. So I've been out 23 years already.
1: Uh, oh, it goes quick, doesn't it? it? It does. Now, when did you leave? So- I retired uh, October of 12-12, so I'm at 11 years. I did okay. 28 years, uh, a little short of 28. I'm at 11 years. I yeah. always
2: say that's eight years too many, okay? 20 was good for me. It
1: worked, right? <laughs> well, well, after 20, you're a volunteer. But that's you know right. what? Uh, right. I love the job. We're having fun. The job is the job. It's uh, whoever created the job, uh, God bless them, because it's the greatest job in the world as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Um, So, Mike, where did you grow up?
2: So I grew up in Queens, Richmond Hill, Queens. I'm a Richmond Hill kid. I spent my first 20 or so years there. Uh, I went to Holy Child Jesus Parish in Richmond Hill. That's where I grew up. And then I went to Holy Cross High School in Flushing uh, for my high school years.
1: Okay. So, Mike, why don't you tell everyone your law enforcement career, uh, your involvement with your community as well?
2: Well, you know, Ed and I had a conversation about this later, and he said I became a PD guy Uh, When we merged, and I said that was the hostile takeover, you guys merged with the transit police.
1: Yeah, well, it depends who you ask. That's right. It it, it seems the transit housing didn't want to merge, but either did we. (laughs) I agree. But uh, But it worked out, I guess, well for everybody, right? Yes, it's Uh, great. It's one big family, absolutely.
2: So, yeah. you know, Kevin, back in the 70s, and I'm 67 years old. I'm not a child. So back in the 70s, mm-hmm. you were taking every law enforcement test there was, no matter where it was, right. city, state, right. uh, federal. And uh, I took a bunch of tests, and I took the state trooper test in New Jersey. And that's actually where I got called for a first. I got called for them in 1979. And okay. there were only two female state troopers at the time, and they sued the state saying there should be more females. So they stopped my class that was going in in 79, and they put in, and that would have been the 96th class or the 95th class, and then they put in the females. And when the females were done, I got called back in 1980, and I went into the 97th class of the New Jersey State Police. And you lived in Seagirt. At the time, so you went down right. every Monday morning to Seekert, New Jersey, and it was cold. It was November, and you actually shot the range it was outside. It was an outside range, and it was out in the on the beach. So I was there for about a month, and then I got called by the NYPD, and they said, "Hey, listen, do you we have, open, we have openings in the transit police? Would you like to be a transit police officer?" And I grew up in Queens, and I didn't know there was a difference between housing, transit, and and the PD. So I said, "Well, I guess it's okay." Tell me, I really want to be a regular cop. And he said, "Oh, we're all regular cops." And I said, "Okay, well, you know, what's the pay? Everybody makes the same, and you know, you can come in and get we can come in Monday and get sworn in." So I said, "Okay," and I went in the December first class of 1980, and uh, I became a transit police officer. And you know what? I've got to tell you, it was the greatest career. I could imagine. I had so much fun, so many friends, and I learned so much. You you guys, you roll up the window at some point, right? And you pull away. There's no window in the train I could ever roll up, and you work by yourself all the time. So I learned, and you'll see I'm a talker already, Kevin, but I learned how to talk and communicate with people being on the subway and holding on to the subway rail and stuff. So I had a great career there. I was lucky enough – when I came on in 1980, there were a bunch of layoffs. As you all remember, the 73, there were no hirings from the 73 to 80 almost. And those cops were laid off throughout the whole city. And a lot of them got jobs with the MTA or whatever they gave them jobs. But by the time I came on in 80, the rookies had seven years on. And they were all disgruntled at that point. They didn't care. They hated the job. And they were just there waiting for their retirement because there had been no meritorious promotions. There'd been no civil service promotions, so it was a great opportunity for the young guys who came on in the early '80s to make get promoted. I winded up and we use the term in the bag, right? I only and that means in uniform. I only did about six eight months in the bag, and I wound up in a local anti crime unit. And uh, that sent me into a citywide anti-crime unit where I got promoted in 1986 to third-grade detective, which was a big deal. I was only 30 years old. I, had, sure. I was a third-grade detective. I had a great life. Uh, it was all good. My, my children, I had two children at the time and uh, raising a family and it was hard. And I was working three jobs. I was doing 9 at night to 5.30 in the morning working in a, a squad, a bus squad. And then I would work at Nobody Beats the Whiz in the morning go there, and then go home, catch a couple hours, and then i go deliver Chinese food before I went back to work at 9.30 at night. So it was fun. It, it worked. Uh, it was all good. And then in about 90 or 91, I got promoted to second grade, and that was good. It was, uh, And as we all know, hard work is very important, but it's also who you know a little bit of, right? So I was starting sure, to make absolutely. friends, I'm starting to make friends in the department, starting to get into the right places. Uh, I was an active cop, an active detective, And uh, then we had the hostile takeover or the merge, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, Braddon and Maple were my bosses in the transit police, so I adjusted well into the merge. And uh, I went to work in Jack Maple's office who, along with Braddon and whomever else wants to claim credit, were the creators of CompStat, I guess, right? That changed the whole department back in the mid-90s. And uh, so I was very much part of that.
1: Mike, uh, when you retired, what did you do? What did
2: You uh... You know, the timing was good, Kevin. I, I had uh, gotten my, my watch guard license. As some of us know, that's a license to do security business. I had gotten that while I was on the job. So there was an opportunity when I left. I left right before nine eleven, the December before. And all of a sudden, my company started picking up. And my little niche in the world was just to have retired or active cops work for me. So that worked well. After 9-11, we picked up the American Stock Exchange and we moved what we call in our business square badges, unarmed guards or low-end guards. We were able to put 30 cops in the exchange at that time, and we took over the the American Stock Exchange with all law enforcement. And then my company just kept building and building from that point on. Uh, Apple was my client in the late 90s, and I've had Apple for over 23 years, and they've been my client.
1: Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average, based on twenty percent below average MSRP from all twenty twenty three Grand Cherokee Overland four xe e and Summit four by e models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by four one. Jeep is a registered trademark. That's great. You know, Mike, uh, what what made you decide to run for Congress?
2: Well, uh, you know, Kevin, the real story is my wife's a sitting Supreme Court justice in Nassau County. She has twelve more years left in her term. All my kids are out of the house, okay, and I'm terrible at golf. So I thought, and I sold my company last <laughs> September. So I said, I have to do something, and why not give back a little bit more like I did when I was on the job and start helping? I'm so tired of the crazy left and the crazy right, and I'm a, I'm a guy who uses common sense, and that's what I used in business and on the job. I thought this was the right time, and as we know on the job, timing is so important. And uh, this was just the right time, I think, to come in. And I think I have a lot to offer with my police experience and my business experience. And I'm I'm just pleased to be able to try to give back and help the community.
0: You know, now, Captain? Yeah. You know, you know um, if, you, if, you, if you get elected, which we hope you will, and you get the job. Yeah, thank you. You would be, as far as I can recall, the fourth member of the New York City Police Department to go to Congress. It began with Mario Biaggi, who was the first New York City police officer to become a congressman. And a lot of people know there was a fellow that I worked with called Frederick Heinemann. I didn't know him. Yes, Frederick Heinemann was an inspector. I think he went down, he moved down to the south, and he was elected to uh, uh, one of the congressional districts in the south. And then we, um, we have uh, Anthony... Uh, d'esposito who was a sitting congressman great guy and uh he would he was the third and when you win and you get sworn in you will be the fourth well so. i'm looking forward to that cap i'm really looking forward to so that. now that that leads me to my next question how does your policing i think you hit on this a little bit before but how does your policing career uh fit into your political aspirations
2: well i, I think it's important that We, we're problem solvers, as cops and as detectives, we're problem solvers. I mean, when we're on the streets, we're not just enforcers and deterrents, we're also psychiatrists in many ways, right? And I know the department's trying to change those methods that we're not that much that anymore. That's what we are. We're sounding boards for people. We listen to people. I learned to listen, as a police officer and as a detective, to listen to everybody's interest and their cares and their problems, right? So I I think that's so important to be able to listen. I think we don't do that anymore in politics, right? Everybody's worried about their own agenda and really not listening to what the constituents want to do. Yeah,
0: and everybody's on their cell phones texting. Ah,
2: and it, you know, it drives me crazy too when I see young cops. My wife said something yesterday that cops on his cell phone. I said, I think the department issues you phones now. He's probably working. I lied. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> that's not true. but I said, I guess that's what that must be, right?
0: <laughs> well, well, there's no question that. Uh, Having a career in law enforcement prepares you for many things in life. People don't realize that, because if if you're around long enough, you encounter just about everything. Everything, as we said, it's the greatest show on earth. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. (laughs) I mean, you know, every day is a new adventure.
2: And I would always remember if it was my, one of my kids' birthdays or something like that, I would take the day off because you know that's the day you're going to catch that homicide, you're going to catch this case, or you're going to wind up on this thing. So – and I went sick one time in my 20 years. You know, I took one one period of sickness, whatever we got, two days, three days, whatever it was. So I love the job. I love to come in. The people are great. The job is great. You know, and the old-timers, I'm going to call you Cap, an old-timer. Probably when I came on, you said, you know, kid, this job isn't what it used to be. And 20 years later, I'm All saying right. to some kids, you know, and right, Kevin? We said, this job isn't what Absolutely. it used to be. But we didn't know, yep. and it turned out great, right?
0: When I came on the job, there were That's- still cops. <laughs> who were working during Prohibition, believe it or not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, talk about, your, um, about the 3rd Congressional District, and uh, what part of Queens and Long Island does it cover? So it's a,
2: it's a mixed district. It's interesting. It's the only district uh, in Nassau that goes into Queens. So District 3 covers from Cold Spring Harbor in Nassau County, right up into Great Neck in Nassau County, and then it continues west through Little Neck in Douglaston. We have parts of Malba lots of Whitestone, we have a little bit of Flushing, and we have some of Bayside. So it's about 19% of the district is Queens-based. And uh, that brings home great memories of growing up in Queens and going to school in that area. And what, what are the main concerns of this district? I think the concerns in this district are just like everyone's concerns. Our crime is such an important issue. You know, economy is such an important issue. And we look at, you know, we're all immigrants. So I don't think it's fair to say immigration is the issue, but I think migration is the issue. And all of us come from some kind of immigration and our parents or our grandparents worked hard to be here. I I just don't think it's fair that what we're doing now, allowing people to come in and, and giving them jobs and education without any vetting, So what's important is we need to vet people again. There's some stats just came out, something ridiculous. Five point seven million people have entered this country that have been unvetted, and it's in the last since since the Biden administration took over, and it's absurd. Over 150 people just in this year alone have been stopped by the FBI, and they've been on the terrorist watch list. So that's not what bothers me so much that 150 people were stopped. But what bothers me is how many people have gotten through this country without having any kind of op- any kind of run-in or stop or interaction or observance by the police departments. So we have to have millions of people in this country who could be on that watch list, okay? And these are all people of military age too, young people, and, you know, who are coming into this country only to do bad. These criminals and these actors, there's not, it's not good for the country.
0: Well, I have this theory. If you put them all into the army, you say, "Listen, well, you got to go into the army." You'll see how fast they run back to their native countries. You
2: know,
1: right,
0: exactly.
2: It's a good. It's a good thought. Maybe you should be running for Congress, there, Cap. I mean,
0: uh, my next life. <laughs> you know, um, very important. This this is really important. Recently, you appeared on Newsmax, and uh, you talked about uh, the need for law enforcement to get more involved in counterterrorism, particularly in light of what happened. Um, in israel which is a very timely subject can you give us uh, information about that what 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 uh, you would consider being done
2: you know you talk, they people talk about defunding the police and you know cutting assignments and cutting down the units and things and i think you know we're looking at a city council and listen adams adams the mayor and i he came on a couple of years after me so when, when did you come on
1: kevin I came on uh, January 1985.
2: So I I come on December 80. I think Adams is somewhere between us, 82, 83, something like that, I think, right? So he was a transit cop. We never really worked together with some of his partners. I think he's, you know, trying to do what he can do. But I think you have the city council, that you have a situation here with the city council where they're so far left. They just think, let's get rid of the police. Let's get rid of all these units. You know, Braden had put some great units in. Uh, more terrorist to anti-terrorist units and counter-terrorism units. And they're trying to do away with these units They cut their overtime, cut the units. And this is a time when we need more intel. And we both know, we all know, intel is what it's all about. This is how we solve the problems. This is how we, so many people don't know what's happened in, in the terrorist world And threats that New York City has gotten because New York, the NYPD has been able to and the FBI and the Joint Terrorist Task Force have been able to stop these threats because of the intel that we get ahead of time. And people don't realize that. People don't see that. Uh, It's such an important thing. And I, I just think we have to stop talking about defunding the police and getting rid of units, especially now that we're opening ourselves up here after the Israel situation last week who's the next target? New York's the target. We all know that. New York will always be a target for anything that happens in this country.
0: That's right. That's absolutely right. And uh, I think the the move to um, cut down on anti-terrorism forces is a big, big mistake, especially with all these illegals in the country. We don't know how many of them are really terrorists. And Curtis Lee makes this point. They're coming in not just from South America, Coming in from these African countries where there's the hot spots uh, of terrorists, all over the place. Yes,
2: definitely all over the place. They're coming in from Afghanistan. They're coming in from Iran, Iraq. They're coming in from
1: everywhere. Not just
2: Venezuela, not just Mexico. Kevin?
1: Yeah, Mike. Uh, you know, what, you have any uh, suggestions for the NYPD in regards to recruitment and retention? It just seems like we can't uh, hire anyone, and then we do, they leave for other departments or for other jobs. I mean, it's not like when we were on where, you know, guys stayed like they had 40 years (laughs) or if they did leave, they went to Nassau or Suffolk for more money. However, today it seems like the kids are leaving just to to move on.
2: Yeah. And I agree with you, Kevin. I remember when we were on, if you went to Nassau and Suffolk, we would say, geez, you're going to this great job. You know, you're making a lot of money and it's an easy job. Well, that's changed over the years. There's no police job in this country. That's an easy job anymore. Those days are over. Every job is, is a tough, tough job. I, I don't know how to keep – it's hard just in business, Kevin, and we talk about our business, just trying to hire younger people. It seems the younger people don't want to take the same ownership, okay? They don't want to take the same ownership in the companies and the places they work. It's hard to retain good people. And, yeah. and you know, the money and, and even school teachers and nurses and things like this, These are these are careers we need. And the money isn't that good and people even move on. And I think in our day, I was happy to work 20 years and Ed, you know, yeah. 40 years and you twenty eight years, eight years too many, by the way, but you, you know, 28 years, kids don't do that nowadays. They move on to different places and try different things. And
1: uh, right.
2: it's kind of sad in a way, hard to retain yeah, a, good people, right?
1: Different generation as well. It is. Um, so Mike, What's the latest on Santos' escapades? What's the latest?
2: Well, you know, it's, it's every day and every moment is something new. He was crying in the halls of Congress the other day about uh, some Palestine uh, uh, spokesperson or somebody complaining about Palestine and then gone anti-Israel and this and that. But it seems he's taking a temper tantrum every day. And, and part of the problem is there's no adults in the room right now, and you need an adult in the room. and. So Santos left a stain not just on Nassau County, but on the state of New York and on uh, the country. And I think, and, and I think that's important. And also the world. You know, I own a company in London, uh, Kevin Still, that I'm selling a security company, and mm-hmm. they make fun of me over there, and they say, well, "What kind of government do you have? Who's this clown? Who's this liar?" And it's an embarrassment. You know, Santos is a, a person who has no ethics. He has no commitment to anybody but himself. And he's deceived over 140,000 people in District Three in November of 2022, and left us with no representation at all. We have nobody to turn to in Congress for the simplest of things, as getting a passport or anything else. And it's an embarrassment. It's a stain. Uh, he has to be moved. If I was a man, now Anthony Esposito, who uh, Captain talked about a little while ago, Anthony's retired third grader out of the seven three. Yes. And, and last week he put a resolution forth. Uh, to remove Santos, and 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 the ethics committee has also been sitting on a resolution to remove Santos. Also, but the problem that lies right now is that until we get a speaker of the House, and I don't think that's going to happen by tonight or by tomorrow, we Congress is, can't do a thing. Their backs are against the wall. They can't they can't put anything forth, any laws, any resolutions. So I'm hoping that when Congress gets a hand and a grip on themselves and we go back to who's the adult in that room right now, we don't know who that is. When that happens, we're hoping to see something come through with Santos where he'll be removed by the Ethics Committee or removed by Congressman D'Esposito's De resolution.
0: Yeah. How's the uh, campaign shaping up? Uh, and what else is uh, in, in the race so far? There's
2: several Democrats. Who who, else is in the? There's a bunch of Democrats (laughs) who have come in. I'm not going to name them. Why should we give them that free publicity, right? But, (laughs) but uh, there's a bunch of Republicans too. There's about nine, and I'm vying right now for the Republican and the and the conservative nomination. And I think right now, out of the unknowns, we're the best unknown. Okay, for the Republican Party in Nassau County, we're raising money. You know, I've been involved in a lot of boards and a lot of charities over the years, guys, and it's. I'm used to giving money, so now I'm trying to learn how to Mm -hmm. ask ask for money. Very difficult thing to do, but we're doing well. Uh, We're raising money. We're meeting people. Part of the, the need to become that candidate in the Nassau County GOP is my ability to earn money, which we're doing. And also my ability to get out there and have people know me and recognize me. So I'm going to events and I'm hearing people say, hey, you're that guy, Mike the Cop guy, right? You're Mike the Cop. And, you know, you're running for Congress. You know, we're behind you. Get rid of Santos. Get rid of Santos. So a lot of times when I say I'm running for New York Congressional District 3, people don't know what that means. So I say, oh, you remember. That's the Santos. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Santos place. Yeah, yeah. You're that cop guy. Yeah, yeah. So it's been positive. Uh, again, this is the honeymoon stage, I guess. I've never done anything in politics other than I was a school board president in Seaford, Long Island for several years. But other than that, this is my whole jump into politics thing, and it's uh, different.
0: Yeah, well, well, Santos so, is a good reference point for yeah, people to, to remember. It's you a feel. great
2: reference point. <laughs>
1: you, know, you know, Mike, we've had uh, Anthony D'Esposito on our show, our podcast, Cop Talk, and uh, he was great and— um, we're very pro uh, Anthony De Esposito here at Cop Talk. Um, Mike, what's the uh, what's the feel? What's the vibe with the uh, with the people in the district? Uh, you know, in Santo in third uh, congressional district, in regards to Santos, what's their feel?
2: Oh, uh, they they just they're all they're all up in arms. I I was yesterday Oyster Bay had the Oyster Bay Fest, and I was in the Syacid parking lot giving out. You know, some bags saved Mike Sapricone for Congress and some pens and cards and whatever else we give out. And they were just like, oh, when are we getting rid of Santos? When is that happening? When is that happening? How did this happen to us? And so the vibe is people just want him gone. Uh, We all want him gone. And the reality, Kevin, is what's happening. He had to step down by a date in August in order to have an October special election. And what a special election means is the Democratic chairman, Jay Jacobs, and the Republican chairman, Joe Cairo, would then choose a candidate. And that's the candidate I'm, I'm vying for that position for Chairman Cairo to choose me as that candidate for the special election. That date came and passed. And now what's happening is he has a court date, October 27th. And if you remember last week or so, his treasurer just pled guilty to felony charges. And she also – apparently she gave him up on some other charges that he was indicted on last week. So there's a court date, October 27th. Rumors are all over the place. He denies that he's going to step down, that he's making a deal. But in law enforcement, we all know when you move a court date or if somebody starts to give you up, you know, you're working some kind of deal. Something's going right. on. So um, I'm hoping and we're assuming that's going to happen, right, some point right. between now and the election. And that would force the governor. She would have 10 days to make a decision and then she would have to set out an election and that election would take place between 60 and 80 days from that date. And that's when that would be a special election. That could be somewhere in January or February. The interesting part about that is you still have to run again in November of 2024 because that's when his term expires. So when I win in January or February – then I have to just prepare to get ready to win again in November for the next term. So it'll right. be interesting.
0: Well, that would be great having right. two uh, two retired New York City cops representing New York. Uh, that would be very uh, unusual. Anyway, ever since the Joy uh, George Floyd uh, incident, crime in crime in this country and New York is spiraling out of control. Uh, what would you do in Congress to address this nationwide problem?
2: Well, you know. You know, boss, a lot of this, you know, let's just, let's narrow it down before we get to Congress. Let's talk about New York State because it starts here, politics and crime, grassroots and stuff, and the bail reform yeah, that's, that's going true. on, right? I mean, I don't have any say over the bail reform being a congressman. It's a state issue, but the states need to clean up their act so the federal government can do a better job, okay? The bail reform thing is out of control. I mean, listen, no one disagrees that if you're if you're arrested and you can't make bail, But it depends on the crime. It depends on the discretion of the judges. We've taken that discretion away. And we see so many times uh, these repeat offenders, right? And there's recidivists. So many people just getting out and you find out this guy had a warrant for this. This guy was locked up for two robberies. And they're committing those same crimes again. We have to look into the situation and stop people from doing this. We need to give the judges back discretion. I know Hochul's trying to do that. She's failing at that. That's not working. We have district attorneys in, in you know, Nassau and, and Suffolk, we have great district attorneys. We have Ann Donnelly in Nassau doing a great job, and Ray Tierney in Suffolk doing a great job. But look at what we have in Manhattan. Look at what we have in Brooklyn and the Bronx. We have liberal prosecutors who are just not even pro- – I mean, I walk down the street and I'm smelling marijuana everywhere. I don't even know if cops know how to handle that or what to do anymore. Is it a summons? Is it an arrest? Is it, hey, kid, please smoke over there? So the little things, and this reminds me of going back to the Brad and Giuliani days in the 90s when we did quality of life. and Quality of life is so important and broken windows, right? So important when we were doing those things. And that's where it starts. Uh, theft of service, jumping the turnstile, open bottles, you know, open containers. We stop people and we question them. And, and so many people, we came back with warrants or weapons on them. Those things are away. Now I know maybe we got carried away. Maybe we got carried away at some point and, and used it for the wrong reasons. Those things can happen. But things do need to be looked at and revamped a little bit and retrained. And we're doing that. And I think the PD is doing that and they've done that well. We need to get back to nitty gritty, back to basics in this country. Right, but how would you
0: carry that over to, 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 um, to Congress on a federal level? So I, I think I would be pushing
2: for reforms, okay? I would be pushing for better training in the police departments. I'd be pushing for federal funds to help the police departments with anti-terrorism, with quality of life things. We don't do anything with that anymore. I think I'd be pushing pushing back on the drug laws. I mean if you you remember certainly, and I'm sure Kevin and I do. The, the Rockefeller drug laws in New York, right? Yes, I remember uh, very well. Mm-hmm, right, yes. and and Koch's stuff with the ma- one year mandatory with weapons, right? Well, I I'm not sure what the federal government can do, but I know that I will be a voice to stand up for law enforcement and stand up for, you know, we've always I've always said this as a joke, you know, criminal justice it's justice for the criminals. Okay? It, it needs to not be justice for the criminals. It needs to be justice for the constituents, the people who walk the streets. You know, I, I make fun of when I was a young cop in transit, there was nothing like the fresh smell of urine when you got into that subway car or into that staircase. <laughs> but You know what? You go to a play in the city and you take your wife or your girlfriend or your kids and you're seeing homeless people lying on the steps. You're seeing uh, people lying on the trains. You, you're seeing what we called EDPs, emotionally disturbed people. I guess that's yep. unpolitically not correct anymore. Right? There's right. a different term, right? But this is what you see, and I see cops walk away, and I see cops turn their back. And and, and I, 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 I talk to them, and I say, you know what? And they say, listen, it's not worth it anymore because no one's supporting us, and we need to support the police. And, Kevin, that kind of goes back to your question about retaining people and keeping good people. We need right. to support them as a government.
0: You know, one thing you might consider when you're in Congress is returning and bringing back the, um, the Law Enforcement Assistance Administration. Do you remember that? Is this Leap? Leap? LEAP. Uh, so I didn't go to school on LEAP. I I, did. I, I went for 16 years. No, <laughs> no LEAP was a p- part of the LEAA. The, right, okay. The LEAA was the Law Enforcement Assistance Program. Okay. And under that, they had LEAP, which is the Law Enforcement Education Program. And that program paid for college educations, and I took advantage of that. And for 16 years, I went. I wound up getting a master's through it. Now, there were so many retirements because cops are discouraged, they're disgruntled. I think that bringing back the LEAA with the leap program would encourage people to come into law enforcement and raise their status and their stature. That's one of the big problems we have today: is this mass retirement? It's no longer a calling. You know, right. from my your time and my time and Kevin's time. You know, it was a calling, and, and so that might be something you would consider.
2: Well, you know, that's a good point, and it's not a career anymore. We called it careers. Now these kids are calling it jobs. It's right. a job. I'm on, you know, it's a job. It's right. not a career. So I, that's a big deal, the law enforcement. That's that's important. That's a great issue, boss. I, I appreciate <laughs> you time. It's
0: ready-made. All you have to do is reinstitute it. Okay.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, Mike, <clears throat> excuse me. Hey, Mike, as a former cop, how would you like to see law enforcement evolve to meet America's growing challenges today?
2: Wow, well, I think I, I think I always believe in training, right? I think training is a big deal. I think we sh- I, I believe in best practices too, Kevin. And I think you know it's always good. We we all do things we think well until we look at other things and we say, hey, wow, that that department or that company does things really good. Can I institute that stuff to make me a better company? You know, before 9-11, we didn't really have the best communications between the departments, right? We talk about the feds right. and the state, right? How much do we not give info to the FBI or the secrets or whatever it might be, state department? And that stuff all changed. I think it's important that we look at all the departments and we... As a member of the PD, or as a member of Nassau County, or the LAPD, we we should get together. We should discuss the way we work and best practices that other departments come up with. And I think that's all important stuff to move us forward in, in policing. I think training and I think retaining uh, senior people, senior detectives, and senior in, you know. Uh, Superior officers, we don't do that. Like you say, it's massive people just leaving. They don't care. They don't want to be here anymore. We need those people to train our younger officers and train our younger bosses and detectives. You know, I think that's important.
0: Captain? Well, I think this has been a great interview. I think you're the right guy for the job. Uh, let's hope it works out. And if we can help you in any way, we, we would... Be very much like to.
2: I couldn't have. asked for more, boss. I appreciate being here with you and Kevin and Anthony DeSposito. You guys, you're back in the right guy with Anthony. He's a. And I call everybody yes. kid, Kevin. We call everybody kid. It's just a cop thing. He's a great kid. Yep. You know he works really hard. And Anthony and I are very good friends, also. But I'm so proud to know him and as an NYPD officer and detective to see him be in Congress.
0: Well, you know, know, we had him on the show here.
2: I know, Kevin was saying. I'm hoping to join him soon, guys.
1: Yes. Mike, uh, could you tell our audience, you know, uh, about your website and how they could donate to your campaign?
2: So it's dot com. .com. You know, any support you can give me, introduce me to people in the areas uh, is great. And any financial support would be terrific, too. We could really appreciate everything and we do appreciate everything. I, I mean, today we're, we're looking at some donations where I had a retired person sent me a dollar and told me she prays to God every night for me that I can win. And, and that's such an important big deal. You know, we need to get out to the retired people and we need to get out to everyday people and explain this is important. You need to vote. You need to research your candidates. So again, Kevin and boss, thanks a lot. Mike Sapraconi for Congress dot com. I really appreciate you guys having me here. And and please ask me back because I could talk about cop stuff forever. I mean we didn't even get into some of the real good stuff. Okay?
0: After you get into Congress, All I'll right. have you back. Okay.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. But Mike, I'd like to thank Mike Sapraconi, everyone running for here in New York, third congressional district here in Congress and uh, for Congress. And we wish you luck. We got your back, Michael. Thank you very much for being on Cop Talk. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Cop Talk WABC. That's at Cop Talk WABC. Until next time, be safe out there. Thank you.